37 this morning. Two things we're working through this series. The first one is, this is a, a series on prayer. And I want to remind us that prayer is, does not inform God about the needs. We serve and we are loved by a God that knows all. And so when we pray, God is not surprised by what we pray. But what I want our mindset to begin to transform is that it, prayer is me expressing trust in his provision. And what happens is it's so easy for me to pray, and yet, friends, it is so hard for me to give over to God. And so as we walk through this series for the next couple weeks, it's going to be about prayer. How do I pray through specific circumstances in my life? Last week was how do I deal with sin in my life from Psalm 32. This week is talking about desires, so we're going to get there in a minute. <clears throat> I have our verse. Hopefully you're uh, looking at this verse, you're thinking about this verse. Hopefully this is encouraging you to memorize God's word. We'll say the reference, the verse, and then the reference, all right? 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 John 5, 14. I'm going to take you on a ride <clears throat> this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me, I want to take you and express to you something I wish that I could do. I wish I could draw. I can't draw. I struggle with drawing stick figures. But I was watching and looking at this, and this is an artist <clears throat> of a man that is painting on a sidewalk. And you look at this, and it is absolutely amazing. I would love to see this. I would love to go to wherever they are and be able to see this man in action, or this woman, I'm assuming it's a man, and be able to see this painting on the sidewalk. I would love to sit there with my cup of coffee or my milkshake or whatever it would be and just watch people walk up to this drawing and avoid it because it is so very good. I'd like to sit <clears throat> next to the person that's sitting on this pew as well. I look at that and go, what creativity? What, how much fun would that be to be able to sit there and watch people as they respond? Who would be the first one to jump out and, and warn this dear woman she's going to be eaten by this giant snail? But this morning, it's all about perspective. And you have to stand at the right angle with the right perspective to get the right view. Because if you're at the wrong angle, then all this looks like is art. It all depends on your angle. And sometimes what happens is we come and we work in our life and we walk through our life and we have the wrong perspective. We look at things in the wrong way. We look at things in the wrong order because we're looking at it from the wrong perspective. So this morning we're going to go to Psalm 37. We're going to tackle the first 11 verses this morning. The, the psalm is 30 or 40 verses. I don't want to go through that whole thing. I want to go through Psalm 37, the first 11 verses. All right, if you want to take notes, it's in the back of your bulletin. I'd encourage you to turn it over because we're going to look at the first two verses as a correction of perspective. So this morning, it's all about perspective. It's all about how you look at a certain situation because you can look at it one way. I can look at it another way, and we see the same drawing, but we get two different views. So let's go ahead and let's look at Psalm chapter 37, the first two verses. Do not fret. Oh, why does he start out like this? Why does David, the writer of this psalm, start out this way? Why does he say, 
do not fret. Your translations may say it differently. Do not worry. What happens is when I worry is I want control. And I try to, when I feel out of control, when I feel like I've been wronged, then I start to worry because I can't control it. So I just start to worry because that's me getting control of a situation that I cannot get control of. So David says here in the first verse, he says, do not fret, do not worry because of evildoers. So let's make sure we understand we all do wrong, but these evildoers are people that are against God. Ones that do not follow God's path, do not follow God's ways. If I could stretch that and say, even those that don't care about following God and following God's ways. So David says, do not fret because of evildoers. In my mind's eye, as I continue to read this and study it, even as I was looking at it this morning, I can see David writing this. First of all, verse 25 tells us he's older in age. In my mind, I see two things happening in David's life. Either one, he's sitting on a, on a porch, on a rocking chair, and, and I'm sitting beside him, and we're, we're drinking a glass of lemonade. And he's sitting here saying, Young Tom, do not fret, do not worry because of people that do evil. The other thing I think about is David, and I think this is more biblical, is he's sitting on the side of a hill. He's sitting on a stone. He's 60, 70, 80, 90, however old he is. He's older in life. It's the end of his life. And he's writing down his memoirs. And he's saying, I wish I would have. I wish I could have. Had I known then what I know now, I would have done it differently. So we're able to sit back with David and be able to learn from his examples. The first thing he tells us is, don't worry. Don't be fretting because of those that do evil. You're having the wrong perspective. He says, you have the wrong perspective on this. Don't be envious of the workers of iniquity. Don't be jealous. Don't be, don't be wanting or desiring those workers of sin. Iniquity is the word that comes from the, the thought that you're going to take something, you're going to bend it, you're going to turn it, you're going to warp it. So if I can say it a different way, I'm going to say, don't worry because of those who don't follow God. Don't be jealous of the workers that twist things. Don't be envious of them. You're looking at it from the wrong perspective. You're walking up on that sidewalk with that cliff. If you're sitting there looking at this, you're sitting here looking at this from the wrong perspective. You're looking at it from the wrong way. Don't be scared to walk on this. You've got the wrong angle from this. So he sits there and he says this. He says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. What he's saying is, please hold this in check. Be aware of your tendency. You're not going to walk out of here this morning not saying, I'm done with worry. I left that here at my pew, and I'm never going to pick that up again. And if you're able to do that, can you tell me the secret? Because I'd love to be able to have that same freedom that you have. So what happens here is David is saying, be aware of this. Be able to hold it in check. Don't sit there and worry about those that do evil. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's not fair. It's not right. I want, or what happens, he says in the second part, don't be envious. Oh, we're good at envy. I'm good at envy. I look at you and go, oh, well, I, I want that. Oh, I want that. That looks like that might be fun. Oh, I, I desire, I covet that. I'm jealous that you have what I don't have. David says, don't be jealous of the people that live in sin. 
because we're not to be living in sin. One commentator puts it this way. He says, why, <clears throat> why are you going to be rooting for the team that you know is going to be losing? If I was a betting man, and I'm not, I would not put any money on the Yankees winning the World Series this year. Praise be to God. Why? Because if you don't follow sports, they lost last night by a guy 5'6". They hit a home run, the biggest home run of his career, 5'6". And he put it over the fence, put the Astros in the World Series. So why would you want to vote, vote for and root for the Yankees this year? They're going to lose. They've lost. They're going home. So what happens here is David is saying, don't worry about those that are doing evil. Don't be jealous of them. Why? Because they're going to lose. They're going to be cut down like the grass. Just cut the grass the last time this year. That's a praise and that's a prayer. Snow is coming. Don't have to spend the grass for the snowblower now, or for the lawnmower now. The, don't pay attention to them. Don't be envious of them because they're not going to win. He says they will wither as a green herb. You have two references on your sheet. The first one is Matthew 6. Jesus tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, because we're seeking the things of God, do not worry about tomorrow. Why are we worrying and why are we coveting and why are we jealous of those people when we're having the wrong perspective? We're looking at things from the wrong angle. We're looking at them from an earthly standpoint and not an eternity standpoint. Second thing is, I just found this verse this week and it comes from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Love this translation. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer. In the bones. We're all too familiar with cancer. I hate cancer. It comes in and it destroys you. It destroys you from the inside out. And yet, look what, look what Solomon tells us. Jealousy is going to destroy me from the inside out. So if we look at this, look at, look at verses 1 and 2. Don't worry. Why? Because I'm seeking the things of God. Because of evildoers. Do not be envious. Don't be jealous of those people that will not win. Why root for the Yankees? Let's pull for the Astros. Let's pull for the Nationals. Don't cheer for the people that are going to lose. You have the wrong perspective. They're going to lose. They will be cut down like grass. Watch the cancer that is called jealousy. All right, so one thing I love about God's word is it tells me what I'm not supposed to do. But what I love about God's word is it tells me what I am to do. So if you look at it, David tells us you've got the wrong perspective. You're looking at things, you're wanting the things that you should not want. And that is such a struggle. That is such a struggle for us because we live in this world and we're not supposed to be of it. But yet what happens is we are inundated by everything in this world. And we have a devil, an enemy, who's called the devil, and he is very good at deceiving us and making sin look fun. And I would say that we enjoy having fun, but not the sinful fun. We love having godly fun. 
And what happens here is that we look at the wrong perspective. So I would challenge you and say, how is your perspective this morning? How are you doing? So I need a course correction in perspective. But then verses 3 through 9, they give me a lot of action verbs. I'm an action type of guy. I don't like to sit still. I like to be able to do things. What am I to do? One thing I ask a lot of you, I find out you're sick. I find out that you're hurting. I find out that you're having surgery. What's the one thing I usually ask? I ask you, what can I do? Most of you are gracious enough and you understand, I can't do a blessed thing. But at least you know that I care and you know that I care enough to ask and you know that I know I can't do a blessed thing. But at least I can pray. And there's a lot of power in prayer, so I don't want to minimize prayer. But I would say if we would be open and, and honest and, and vulnerable this morning, we would all love to help people in ways we can't help. And so I'm telling you that sometimes we get the wrong perspective. So what am I to do? What actions can I take? If you're an underliner in your Bible, this is a great passage to underline. Look at all the action verbs, all right? Verse three, what am I to do? I'm not to have the wrong perspective. What am I to do? I am to trust. To trust means to have confidence in God that he will provide. If I could, look, I'll go back to this. Let me go back to this. Hold on a second. You're going to go out there on this patch of ice. It looks good. It really does look good. You're going to go out there and you're going to make sure you avoid that. Why? Because you don't have confidence. The confidence comes when you walk out and you say, that bucket right there can't be hovering in midair. That breaks the laws of physics. So you would go out delicately and you'd step on it, making sure you don't fall over the edge, and you would have confidence that that is concrete. We have confidence of what God is doing. So what we're going to do is we're going to trust. We're going to trust. We're going to have confidence in God. To have confidence, I need to stop looking at the earthly and start looking at the eternal. I am to trust in the Lord and do good. Not because it makes God happy, but because of my relationship with God, it is an outpouring of my relationship with God. I am to trust in the Lord and I am to do good. Look at the previous two verses. Do not fret because of evildoers. Don't be envious of their evil works. What happens in my mind is when I trust in myself, lend to myself, I let myself go into my bad works or to my flesh or to my evil. So he says, trust the Lord, have confidence in the Lord, do good and do good, do well. All right, so I'm to trust, I'm to have confidence in the Lord, I am to do good. What else am I to do? I am to dwell in the land. I am to remain where I am. I am to gain satisfaction with God and a relationship with him. When I dwell in the land, he gives me what I need. Give us this day our daily bread. He gives us what we need, not always what we want. So we are to trust in the Lord, have confidence, do good. I am to dwell. I am to be satisfied with what God has given me. And if I stop looking at you and I start looking at God, I become very contented in the provisions of God and I remember and feed on his faithfulness. 
I remember the promises of God. That's why it is so important that you would journal. It's why I'm trying to make a better conscious effort when the guys come up and pray that we remember of God's faithfulness and what he has done. Because right now, we've got a lot of sick people. We've got a lot of people that are battling sickness and illnesses. I'm missing Cal and Lori over here. They're struggling right now, friends. Get your cards out to Cal and Lori. Get your cards out to Cal and Lori. But if I focus just on Cal and Lori, I forget of all the provisions that he's made. Miss Shirley's back from pneumonia. Mrs. Graham is back from her surgery. Great to have you. Frank is back. The man was sick and in the hospital two months ago. Now we can't stop him from taking the offering. He says to me this morning, I'm coming with my cane next week. Okay. Wow. I can't stop him from serving. And if we focus just on what what we need, we forget the faithfulness of God. And we forget and we feed on the faithfulness of God. Remember. All right, keep going. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Have communion with God. Don't make this the only time that you open your Bible. Don't make this the only time that you pray. Have fellowship with God. Think about your earthly relationships. When you see someone once a week and have a five or ten minute conversation, how is that relationship? When you see someone every day and you talk to them, how is that relationship? It's very different. I am to delight or have confidence or, I lost my word, have communion with the Lord. Are we communing with the Lord? Are you communing with the Lord? And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Oh, wait a second. Here's the promise. I want the desires of my heart. Can I tell you what we want to have happen and what actually has happened? What we do is we trust in the Lord, we do good, we dwell in the land, we feed in his faithfulness, we delight in the Lord, and then what happens is God finally changes his mind because then he says, Tom, you know, you're right. You were right on that. Maybe I should do what you said. No. Can I tell you what happens? The more time I trust in the Lord, the more times I dwell in him, the more times I delight and have communion with God, guess what changes? God doesn't change. Guess what changes? My desires change. Because I have spent time with the Lord in his word. Mark, tell, Mark, Mark Brooks says it all the time. He goes, that doesn't pass the straight face test. And, and let me tell you how that works in my life. The more I talk about it, the more I go, that just doesn't sound right. That doesn't fly. That doesn't pass the straight face test. What happens is when I spend time with God and I do all of these action verbs, hey, friends, guess what happens? I look at this and go, this is not of God. This is of verse 1 and 2. This is of my flesh. This is my, this is my jealousy of people that are living in sin. And so you sit there and say, God's not giving me what I want. God's not changing his mind. You are changing your heart to match God's heart because you spent time with him. Commit your way. Verse 5, commit your way. What has to happen is you need to submit. You have to go God's way. If I'm going to commit my way to you, 
I'm not in charge. I like to be in charge. I like to be in control. You like to be in charge, and you like to be in control. But verse 5 tells me I need to submit my will to God's will. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That only happens when I live in submission to God. And that submission to God will only come when I have communion with him, when I dwell with him, when I do good for him, and ultimately when I'm having confidence in him. It's almost like a pyramid that I'm building here. I have to trust and do good, and then I'm going to submit to him. Why? I'm going to submit to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as light. Can I tell you what happens in verse 5? Let me go back to verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Can I tell you how we pray? God, commit your way to me, Lord. We, commit, we take the the out. Commit your way to me, Lord. And we don't live in submission of God. We don't treat God as God. We treat God as a genie. If we just rub them the right way, I'll get what I want. But these verses tell me how to get what I want by spending time with God and my desires fall away. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Verse 7, I am to rest. Rest is to be silent. It's hard for a Baptist pastor to be silent. I am to not murmur. I am to wait. So this idea of rest in the Lord, wait upon the Lord. We, I, I will not speak for you. I will speak for me. I am not a patient person, especially today, especially in today's society, especially with all the technology that's sitting in your pocket, that's sitting in the palm of your hand. You can have any answer to any question you have in .003 seconds. Versus 20 years ago, you had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica and you had to find it. We are used to instant things. It's, we even get instant potatoes now. And what happens is we don't wait upon the Lord. God is seldom early, but he's never late. And God can work quickly, but yet so many times God waits for us that our desires meet his. So I'm to wait on the Lord. I am to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. How often am I not patient? I'm not content to wait for God's timing because it's not God's timing, it's Tom's timing. And so I'm to wait patiently for him. Do not worry, do not fret. Here comes that idea again. Don't you fret, don't worry, because of him who prospers in his way. Don't look, you're looking at the wrong perspective again. Don't worry about that guy or gal that's prospering in their way. Why? Well, Scripture tells us, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Don't be envious of them. Verse 8, cease from anger. I get angry. You get angry. We get angry when bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. We get angry. We shake our fists. We throw things at the TV. We get upset and David, I see it in my mind's eye, sitting there in his rocking chair, rocking back and forth, got the gray beard, 
But no, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Don't you become angry. Stop your anger. Because when we become angry, then we become the ones that are in sin. How many times have you been angry and you haven't got yourself in trouble? How many times have you been angry and you've gotten yourself into trouble? David says, stop being angry and forsake wrath. Don't work on it. Do not fret only because it causes harm. Did you know that worry causes you harm? It causes you, I wrote it down, it causes you physical harm. You have high blood pressure. You have stroke. You have heart attack. Sometimes when you stress a lot, you put on weight because you stress eat. You have problems mentally. You have, when you worry and when you fret, you have conversations with people you've never conversed with. But if you would say that, then you would say that, and then you would say that, and then you would say that, because she would say that, and then you would say that, and you've had a whole conversation with the person, but you've never seen them. All because you're worried. David says, stop worrying. We worry mentally, and we turn it over and over and over and over and over. And we worry, and we worry. I worry about things all the time. I shouldn't worry about things all the time. But I do. And it causes me mental anguish. And you know what happens when I worry? It causes me harm spiritually. Why? Matthew chapter 6. Don't you worry. Because what are you trying to do? I'm trying to gain control. And I can't gain control, so it's only causing me harm. David in his rocking chair. David sitting on a stone out in the middle of nowhere. Do not worry. It only causes harm. Yep, he's right. Verse 9, why should I not worry? Why should I not be angry? Because evildoers will be cut off. They are going to lose. <clears throat> Eventually, it will catch up to them. In my flesh, in my sinful, non-pastoral flesh, I look at this and go, can I be there to see it? Because I really want to see him suffer. I'm sorry, I do. Because you do too. But what happens, friends, is that's because I'm living with the wrong perspective. I'm living with an earthly perspective and not an eternal perspective. For evildoers, they're going to be cut off. Remember, we're not talking about people that are sinners. This is not sinners, because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. We're not going to be cut off. These are the ones that are purposely walking away from God. They have no desire in God. They have no interest in God. They have no want of God at all. Those are the ones that he's talking about. For evildoers will be cut off. But the transition, notice the contrast. Those that don't follow God, they're going to be cut off. They're going to die. They're going to wash away. They're going to be cut away. But those who wait on the Lord, those that who are righteous, verse 6, they will inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So that's what we're supposed to do. Pretty simple to say, pretty difficult to do. Did you underline all those verbs? All those verbs? A quick reading, just really quick. <clears throat> dwell, or I'm sorry, trust, do good, dwell, feed, delight, give. Well, that's God giving desires, sorry. Commit, trust, 
<sighs> rest. Be patient. Don't worry. I got to worry. I got I, I to do that again. Cease from anger. Forsake the wrath. Don't worry. How many times have they told me not to worry? I count three, right? Those are the things that we are to do. If you're saying here, I know I'm not supposed to do that, what am I am to do? I just write them to you. Look at all those action verbs. That count what? 10? 12? That's one a week. Work on one a week. That's three months. We're almost through winter in three months. Start working on it. Start working on one verb. I'm going to trust. The rest of October, it's 14 days, give or take. I'm going to trust in God the rest of October. I'm going to trust in God the rest of October. So <clears throat> I'm to course correct my perspective. Here's what I'm to do. We just covered that, but then there's two different results. I'm an I'm a action-based, results-oriented kind of guy. Show me something. Show me fruit. What this is saying is, how do I know this is going to work? Show me fruit for what's going to happen. Verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> for yet a little while, key word here, yet a little while. How long is it going to be? I don't know because God tells me I need to wait patiently for him. This is so hard to do. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. How long until the wicked shall be no more? I can tell you this, it's closer than it was yesterday. And I would dare say that it's a lot closer than when some of you were born. I'm thinking 60, 70, 80 years ago. Boy, it's, things have changed a whole lot in the last 30, 40, 50 years. And we know that it's going to be closer than it was back then. So in a little while, in a little bit, be patient. Realize and understand the wicked, they're, not, they're going to lose. It's a done deal. They, you know that they're going to lose. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. You're going to look for him and say, hey, where was that guy? Where was that gal? She was just right there. Boom, they're gone. Why? Because they were doing evil. Some of you that don't follow sports go, I didn't even know there was a team called the Yankees. It doesn't matter anymore because they're not in the, in the race anymore. They're gone. Praise be to Jesus. They're gone. They're not going to be anymore. But guess what happens? Step back before we go any further. <clears throat> I worry about this. I fret about this. I envy myself. I'm jealous over those that are losing. And why would I want to cheer and, and put myself on a team that I know is going to lose. Why? Because I have the wrong perspective. I'm looking here on earth. I'm not looking in eternity. But, gotta love the but, the transition. But, the meek, Matthew 5, 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. And they shall delight themselves in the abundance of out of all this turmoil, out of all this stress, out of all this chaos, out of all this angst, here come the meek, the righteous, the ones that are following God. They want peace. You know what the world wants right now? Peace. They want peace. I would dare say they, they want earthly peace. I'm not here to give you earthly peace. I'm here to give you eternal peace. And that is what the world is longing for. Three questions to ask yourself. First one is, am I living with the right perspective? 
you come here, and I'm not saying that we all have it right. Because what happens is we live in this world. We are not to be of this world, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We are to be conformed. But what happens is that we are inundated by things, and our perspective gets blurred. And I'm walking on a solid sidewalk. I'm sitting on a solid bench, and all of a sudden, that snail is coming out of nowhere to get me. From the right perspective, that looks scary. But when you get a different perspective, you realize it's just a really creative person painting. Are you coming in going, I don't know if I have the right perspective. Second question, are my feet following God's path? Are you following God's word? Are you following in his ways? It is that simple and it is that difficult. All the answers are in this book. I actually do believe that. Sometimes they're really easy to find. Sometimes they're really hard to find. And you know what sometimes God tells me? He says, wait. But I can't expect the blessings of God without following God's boundaries of God, without following God's boundaries. And so the question I have for you, are you following God's path? Are you following his word? Are you committing your way to him this morning? I'm in church. That's a good start. But there's so much more to this relationship with God than just being in a building for an hour. There's so much more. Third and final one. Am I delighting in the peace of God? Are you coming here this morning saying, I am at peace with God? You can have trials and still have peace with God because you know that he's got it under control. Or are you sitting here saying, I'm not in the experiencing the peace of God right now? That's a question that you can wrestle with. Three great questions from this psalm. Can I tell you a secret? This is my favorite psalm. Come back next week, I'll have a new favorite psalm. But for this week, this is my favorite psalm. I hope that this has encouraged you. I hope that this has challenged you, that we need to live in the right perspective. Because, friends, if you trust and know Jesus, you're on the winning team. We are playing a winning team. Right now, it seems like we might be losing the battle, but the war's already been won. And we're on the right side. Let's live with the right perspective. Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll finish up our service with a hymn. As we close, as you close your Bibles, I'd love to pray for you as a pastor. I don't know what God's doing in your heart. Is there anybody here I can pray for this morning? It says, would you pray for me, Tom? Because I, I come in with the wrong perspective. You hit it right in the head. Would you pray for me? I have the wrong perspective this morning. Anybody here? God, would, would, you, would you pray for me, Tom? Because I'm not sure if I'm following God's path. I'm not sure if I'm living in obedience to his word. Would you pray for me that my feet might follow God's path? Would you pray for me this morning? Any hands? Anybody pray, pray for me this morning, Tom, that I would experience the peace of God? Would you pray that I would delight in the peace of God this week? See that one hand. Thank you. Lord, we're thankful for this psalm. I see that second hand. Lord, I thank you for this psalm. We only covered the first 11 verses, and yet you really challenged us with a perspective. Lord, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. Help us to realize that with a relationship with you, we're on the winning team. So help us in our perspective. Help us to not become weary. Help us not to become discouraged in the battle, knowing that the war has been won. 
Lord, help us to realize when the, when the team is marching down the field that the defense has got us because we've already won the game. It doesn't matter because you have defeated everything at the cross. Help us to live with the right perspective. Lord, help us to be following your path. Help us to spend time in your word that we can follow your ways, living in obedience to your word. May Sunday just be an outpouring of Monday through Saturday. Help us to follow your path. Help us to commit our way to you, not just kind of sort of be on, but to be all in. And finally, Lord, I pray for us that we would have the peace of God. Pray for those two hands. Lord, that they would have peace with you, that they would find peace with you, whether they're going through a trial, whether they're going through hard times. May your peace rule in their life and ultimately can only have peace when they have a right relationship with you. So Lord, be, help us to be people that live with the right perspective that we may experience the peace of God. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We're going to close with a hymn, so why don't you find your hymnals, the guys come forward, and we're going to stand because you've been sitting for a while, so stand and find your hymnal, and Kevin will tell you what page we're going to sing out of. <laughs>